Welcome to Clear Eyes Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano, and I play Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I play Billy Riggins. Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers on our podcast. Hey, you guys, we've got merch. That's right, baby. We've got merchandise. So go check out our brand new website designed by Eleanor Carez, who is at Eleanor Carez on Instagram. Our website is www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Once again, that is www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. You can get hoodies and t-shirts and all kinds of geared for your grandmother, your mother, for Mother's Day, for Father's Day. I don't know. Whatever you want. I will forever find it adorable that Derek still says www. Every few weeks, we will do an audience participation episode just to answer your questions. So email us what you want to know at clearizefullheartspod at gmail.com today. We're talking about season one, episode 15, Blinders. This one was written by Bridget Carpenter and Carter Harris and directed by Stephen Kay. Here's our very short NBC synopsis. The Panthers saber their crucial playoff win until a coach makes a racial statement that sorely tests the team's bond. And we have an awesome guest with us today, Kevin Rankin, who plays the insightful and hilarious Herc. So let's get to the highlights of this episode, and then we're going to bust on over and talk to Kevin Rankin. Okay, top of the show. Here's what I see. Look at you in the stands with your daddy. (laughs) It's really funny watching this because I don't know why, but for whatever reason, this moment, just being in the stands with Brett Cullen, it literally feels like it was yesterday. Brett Cullen played my dad, Walt Riggins, and... I I had seen Brett in a million different projects at this point in time. And so I was a young actor, literally like, I mean, barring a couple of soap operas, my first TV gig. So I was just in the stands that whole entire night, like bending Brett's ear, like, so what did did he talk about this? What was your experience like working with Ron Howard? What was it like working on this? What was it like doing Apollo 13? What was your experience on the West Wing? Yeah, the West Wing. (laughs) (laughs) Stacey with the West Wing, Uh, the replacements. (laughs) I mean, what was it like working with Gene Hackman? All these different things. So I was just like a kid in a candy store. I'm sure I was probably driving him nuts, but just asking him a million and one questions. And it's crazy rewatching it. It literally feels... Like that was yesterday, but then in another universe, it feels like it was 40 years ago. Bittersweet, as we've described this this whole podcast. Just as a viewer, though, watching it, I was like, I love that they're together supporting Tim, but also who that's a tension-filled duo right there. Yeah, I like, yeah. I wonder if you guys even, like, if Billy and Walt, if they even talked at all. I kind of think maybe not. I, I It's interesting because I, I was watching it thinking, I don't think Billy's probably talked to him at all. Derek's talking to him nonstop. <laughs> Billy, yeah. Billy probably doesn't have much to say to him. Moving forward, I just, oh God, all I can say is Mac. Oh, Mac, stop talking. Shut mm. your mouth. Oh my God, shut your mouth. I, I just, I can't imagine that he, I can't, I can't imagine, like I get it, the weight of these words. And that there's a part of me that wonders, is this intentional or, or is he that dumb? I, I think it's, I th- I don't think it's intentional. I think he is that dumb because or at least that's how I'm, I'm viewing it. I could be yeah. completely and totally wrong. When we have Blue on, I want to talk to him about all this stuff and how he mm-hmm. played it. Because if you meet Blue, like Blue is not Mac McGill at all. No. He looks like this Texas coach on the outside, but like he's a vegetarian. Like he's like into yoga, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and like he's got the exterior of this like tough guy, redneck Texas dude. And the only thing that's like that about Blue 
is the fact that he's actually from Texas originally. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Stacey, I'm right there with you. Watching this scene is like nails on a chalkboard. I'm sitting there this whole entire time just going, shut up, Mac. Shut up, Mac. Mac, shut up. <laughs> I don't think it was intentional, but I think that there's probably some, some bias that this guy has, 100%. And I think he said something really stupid. And I think, yes, there's definite idiotic racial stereotypes being played out here. Oh, God, it was bad. I, I just think Mac probably isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And I think he has some definite bias. And I think that that reporter did a very good job of stirring that all to the surface. Oh, that's true. He was doing a good, like a little investigative journalism right there. Yeah. The, well, the female reporter as well. Yeah. Both of them. It is very strange to me to have press in a locker room at a high school game. I don't know that that, I mean, maybe it happens if you're going to state. I've never seen that happen. I would think if you're going to state. Yeah. Everything about Dylan is fascinating to me. <laughs> well, I'll say this real quick, just to jump in. Like, I, I think I mentioned on this podcast before that I went to high school with Alex Rodriguez. We had Sports Illustrated on campus. What? I mean, this guy was in high school, but he was like the number one. He was going to be the number one pick in the draft that year. And so we had Sports Illustrated on campus. We had scouts out at the field at lunchtime. Yeah, scouts, we I had guess. professional baseball players that would come and take batting practice like at our field because we had this really like amazing baseball field. That's bonkers. Yes. I mean, these things do happen if you're an elite team in a major market, not major market, but a, a major state like Texas or Florida. And yeah. So I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. Maybe not in the locker room after a game, but you're definitely doing interviews on a regular basis. I mean, Alex was already very good at doing interviews by the time he was 17 years old. God bless. I was with him the day that he got drafted, FYI, and like in his bedroom while he was talking to the Miami Herald. And he's like sitting there lean back. I mean, the guy had just basically, he was the number one pick in the draft. He went from being a poor kid to a millionaire like overnight and already had that like camera ready kind of ability. I just can't, I can't even fathom that as a high schooler. Okay, moving on. I am going to say one more. I think this is the third time ever in my life saying you were right. And I think Tyra might be a bit of a bad influence on Julie. They cut class. I feel like Julie would never cut class, but she did. And uh, like, <laughs> let's go back to the most important part of this sentence. You just said you yeah, think yeah, I was I right. Said, yeah, right. Yes. yes, that's like three. I think that's three times it's on this show. Three. I'll cut them into a little loop for you, and you can play it on just a cycle forever. I do have to say, powder puff as a punishment, which is a, a lot of plosives right there. I apologize to your eardrums. Seems ridiculous until I look at it, and I'm like, oh no, for those two, that's a huge punishment because they do not want to do this. I will say that my favorite part about the whole powder puff thing is that they're finally like, I, I just see the writers finally leaning into a little bit of that uh, personality that Taylor Kitsch has, because we're really getting to see who I know as Taylor Kitsch shine yeah. through in Tim. Every scene in this, I'm laughing because that's Taylor. When we would play pickup football, we'd play like flag football on the football field. That's how he would react when you're playing football. So it's this isn't acting here. This is just Taylor being Taylor. And I, I I love it. I do. I love the lighter, the lighter, funnier side of him that we know is there that people finally get to see. Okay. Oh, Jason going back to school is just rough. And that biology teacher says to him, hey, if you just want to observe, that's all anyone expects of you. Yeah, that whole entire scene is hard to watch. I mean, oh, him with the scalpel trying to mm -hmm. cut the frog or dissect the frog. Ugh. Did you do that in high school? I think we did because I... I remember like when we cut the frog open, I was like, dude, look at how, how ripped his abs are. I remember the frog had like really like once you get past that first layer of skin, just had like an eight pack. We didn't. I think my school was a little liberal and they were like, we can't do it to animals. And maybe we watched a video or something. I've never cut an animal open. Maybe I was just sick that day. Hurricane Street. Hurricane Street are family now. 
chosen family, whatever, but those two are brothers. And this is just like a little brother's driving list. And I am so like every episode, I fall more in love with that relationship. I hear you. I, I love watching any stuff that Herc's in. And the good thing is we're going to have one later in the show. So that's going to okay. be exciting. We have that little father-daughter QB practice. Man, Coach Taylor, he lit up and he trotted and galloped around the house as soon as he <laughs> found out that Maddie put Julie in the QB spot. That was the proudest I've ever seen Coach. I love it. Yeah, he just brightened up. You're right. There was a little pep in his step. He kind of hopped. There's a little skipping happened. It's very strange. It's beautiful. The powder puff game. And I have to tell you, everything about this game is making me so happy. You have Maddie on one side and Tim on the other. They couldn't be more opposite in their coaching styles. Landria's ref, Landry and coach's face. (laughs) (laughs) it's genius yeah i love all of it except for seeing buddy and my mom in the stands which i could do without come on now i could do it i could do without the game though is great no it's great and i mean the writers just kind of i can just see them in the writer's room like pitching these ideas of for this power of games and probably giggling the whole time yeah because as we've talked about i think that their their favorite thing to do is how do we get these opposites and scenes together how do we get landry to give coach an earful. You know what I mean? In what world would that possibly happen? Aha, powder puff. Our powder puff, do you remember a couple of episodes ago when the guys were the cheerleaders at the pep rally? Yes. That was what happened at our powder puff. So while the girls were playing football, the guys were actually on the sidelines as the cheerleaders too. We did the same. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that still happens. I think we talked about that before, but I know that when I was a kid, we definitely did that. Yep. My best friend Lacey got a jersey tear on her middle finger during the game and she still can't move her finger to this day. She had surgery after it. Football's a rough game, guys, even yeah. when it's powder puff. And it took powder puff for you to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, Mama Smash, she's the voice of reason and the voice of good. It just never fails. Yeah, we're talking about the scene where uh, they go into the bank and they're trying to get a loan for the house. And for various uh, reasons and primarily race, they're denied a loan. And Smash starts to lose it. And Mama Smash brings him back down, you know, calms him down in this situation. We move shortly after that into the scene where Mac and Smash are in the film room. This scene just makes me cringe, but it is so well written. Smash has come in to talk with Mac about the racist comments that Mac made. And while I'm watching, I just want to grab Mac and I want to scream, what the hell are you doing? We always talk as actors about not judging your character and finding a reason to justify their actions. And I think Blue Deckard does a a lovely job of that in this scene, because if you know Blue, as I've said before, Blue is not this guy. Yeah. Blue is like a a yoga guy and and a vegan. And as an actor, I don't have to agree with the things that my character does, but I have to understand why he does them. And so at the end of the scene, Max Ego just winds up putting gasoline on this already raging fire regarding the racial tensions in Dylan. And what happens next is a direct result of that. We move on to the the next scene where uh, Smash has now organized a, a rebellion, I guess, for lack of a better term, against Mac and against Mac's comments. The tension is rising in Dylan in Texas and it's yeah there's this scene with Smash at home and then Smash going to church and they're playing this amazing song Lord give me a sign underneath it the music in this episode is just phenomenal across the board I I didn't understand when Waverly hands him the key at the church I didn't I don't know what that was do you remember what I'm talking about I do but yeah because I remember watching it but I don't remember specifically what that is representing I couldn't tell if it was like a key to her house for later or something well, I mean, her dad does run the church, so maybe it's the keys to the church. Confusing. I've I, we, we, we can go right over that, guys. I don't know what that was. Yeah, I think maybe, like, she gave him the keys to the church to hold this meeting. Okay, we'll go with that. I like that. Possibly. I'm I don't know. With that. You know, anytime you're watching a film or a television show and they, they focus specifically on a moment, 
They focus on the moment of the keys being handed over like it was something. It seemed very important. But I don't I don't know. Maybe we missed something. or Maybe I'm just not intelligent enough to pick it up. I read into it that they were going to go have secret alone time. In that moment? Yes, which I which I get is weird. What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Look, I'm like I'm not the smartest. <laughs> so the end of this episode, I mean, these kids, they're on their way to be state champs. But if things keep up like they are right now, it's completely cracked. There's too much tension. We have to find a way to get them back together. This episode just left really tension filled and heavy. And I don't know what happens next. There's going to be a little bit of a twist, Stacey. Ooh. Yeah, the next episode is going to be very interesting because I think what this episode does is it kind of sets up a lot of things and then the next episode kind of knocks some of those things down. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited for you to watch the next episode then. Okay, I personally have had enough of you and I talking because you guys, we got Kevin Rankin with us and let alone that Herc is adorable and amazing. Kevin's even more so and we just need to get to that now because he's way more important. I'm ready for it. Let's do some Kevin Rankin. We are delighted to have the hardest working actor in showbiz with us today, Kevin Rankin. We know Kevin as Herc, the quadriplegic rugby playing Ray of Sunshine roommate to Jason Street, but you also probably know Kevin from his extensive film and television career. Kevin has starred on such shows as The Umbrella Academy, The O.C., Trauma, Lucifer, The Closer, Grace Point, The Newsroom, Justified, Big Love, In Plain Sight, Lost, My Name is Earl, NCIS, Law and Order, Bionic Woman, Claws, Lie to Me, State of Mind. I'm going to keep going here. Grey's Anatomy, CSI, Six Feet Under, Undeclared, Without a Trace, My Guide to Becoming a Rock Star, NYPD Blue, Birds of Prey, Halt and Catch Fire, Spin City, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and of course, Breaking Bad. Kevin has also starred in multiple films, including Ang Lee's Hulk, White House Down, El Camino, A Breaking Bad Movie, Pawn Shop Chronicles, Wild, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Heller Highwater, Skyscraper, and of course, the Oscar-winning film Dallas Buyers Club, opposite Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto. <sighs> you know what? We've done a few of those on this show at this point, Kevin, and we've never had one that's that long. So with that being said, how did you get into acting? Oh, I, well, I thought that, you know, I, I watched The Fall Guy. Remember Fall Guy? Yes. I thought that, see, that's what I thought. Oh, I want to be that guy. Well, he's a stuntman. Then I found out Lee Majors was an actor acting like a stuntman. I said, oh, I want to be that guy. The guy that acts like things. That's awesome, dude. You know, I have an interesting story actually about the fall guy. You know that it was like written, like they wrote a theme song and then they sold the theme song as like a pilot. What? Like the the song was actually written first. I'm the unknown stuntman that made Clint uh, Eastwood a country star. Yes. And then that's how they sold the show. Like the, like the guy wrote a song and then somebody was like, dude, I, that sounds like a TV show. And they sold the show based off of a song. Back then, that's how you got a show done. Yeah. He he wrote a song. (laughs) Lee Majors comes in. He sang it, didn't he? (laughs) Didn't he sing it? I can't remember. I I don't remember. It's all of the the Fall Guy info I have. This and this this podcast isn't about Fall Guy. So let's get back on track here. Wait, what's our what's our podcast about? (laughs) Friday Night Lights. We do want to know what so how did you get involved? What's your audition story? Well, first of all, whenever I heard they were making a TV series of, of that movie, I mean, I grew up in Texas. Yeah. So this was like required reading when I was in, uh, God, it was just before high school. My coaches said, you got, you read this, you read this book. And um, 
so I knew about it the whole time. The movie came out. I, I was too old to audition at the time or whatever. So I didn't get an audition for the movie. Then the TV series was happening. And like any, any actor, you think, oh, what is this? They're going to make a show. I'm not going to, you know, like you get a little snobby about stuff when you're young. You're stupid. But then this, this role came in, Herc, and I'd seen Murderball, loved the documentary. I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to shave my head, go in with a whole thing, whole character. Walked in and it was, I mean, I was the only able-bodied guy there when I went in for my audition. I, I don't know if you could do it nowadays. I think I'll be retroactively canceled for playing her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, leaving, it was interesting because in, in leaving, I was like, well, I'm not going to get that job. You know, this, this is, this seems very to be it was shooting for authenticity, right? Some, something real. I could tell. And um, so I was leaving, but <laughs> Jeff, that wasn't Jeff. It was uh, Linda Lowy, right? And John. Yes. Brooks. Yeah. They came out and stopped me as I was leaving in front of all the other guys. I was like, Kevin, come back. And it was like, I was the only able, but I, I felt like if I don't get it, great. If I do get it, great. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I honestly approach every job that way. I love to work, but I love to not work. Yeah. So it's like, I never take a, um, losing a job is losing. I don't, you know, I don't think I'm competing against anyone. That's, that's the truth. I, I don't think you can have a, a good attitude and, and healthy attitude with thinking you're out there competing. I like to find out who got the job, find out who they, who, what they had in mind. Cause I love actors. This yeah. is, this is, this is amazing. And you have such a healthy mindset. And I want to tell you how opposite Derek is because <laughs> Derek, Derek has some stories about go, Derek. Say about when you go into the room and you see Kevin on a call sheet. Oh, well that's true. It's, but it's, it's always love. <laughs> it's always love. This is actually a true story. With this love. is a true story. I come walking into an audition a couple, uh, I say a couple of years back. We were talking about this the other day, Kev. Uh, it's not a couple of years back. It's like uh, 20 years ago now. Now it's like 15 years ago. And I go walking into this audition room. And if, if, if I remember correctly, it was for uh, Saving Grace back in the day. Mm. And the casting director goes, you know who was just in here? And I go, no. And she goes, Kevin Rankin. And I go, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> she goes, you know, when we called him in for this, we didn't even know that he could walk. I had that, and I'm like, why don't you just give him the damn job already then? You and they did. I mean? And they did. <laughs> so, I mean, that happened a lot of times to me. And so when you say go back and find out who the actor was who got the job, I can name about five shows that I went in for. Mm-hmm that the guy who got the job was you. So, <laughs> and that's not a joke. I'm not even kidding. Claws, Broadchurch. You would have been uh, great on Claws, by the way. Yeah, but you had the job, so I couldn't have done it. <laughs> um, but, and there's just, there is no hatred there. Trust me. I love the fact that your work is, no, I'm not the guy letting the air out of your tires on the way to an audition. That's not me. No, not you. Not you. No. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what? Look, it, it, you know, you get those auditions that you, the, the real struggles are like, oh, I, I really want to work with, I really do. But my mind goes right to logistics and uh, early morning. Like, what's the early call going to be? Is it going to be cold? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think about that stuff too now. Yeah, I do, man. I do. I, I don't want to be getting up cold and that's not, not what I'm looking for. Yeah, I hear you 100%. And speaking of audition rooms real quick, do you remember the first time we actually met? Yes, this was after a full season of Friday yeah. Night Lights. We go in to read for Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. I looked down on it and I knew about you and I knew, I knew about you, never met you yet, but I knew we yeah. had the same exact birthday with the same exact day. That's uh, what I knew about you. And I was like, Diff. I looked around quick and there we met for the first time. 
yeah. at the audition. And we both got the job. Yes. You guys were great on Grey's. But wait, going back to Friday Night Lights, I want to know, I've always wanted to ask you and Scott Porter this, what kind of like research or did they bring people in to deal with the physicality of playing quadriplegics? What was that? What was that like? Well, you know, it's interesting. Scott, he was playing a character, right? Who was newly to it. So it was a whole different approach, right? I mean, he, um, I had a, I had been living in that skin for a while. So right when I landed in Austin, they put me in a, a, a handicap room at the hotel, lived in a handicap room. Wow. I went around Austin for two straight weeks in a chair, didn't leave that hotel, was in a chair. And I, and I hung out with the quad rugby guys. Yeah. They took me out. We went to the bars, man. I went to the UT opener. Uh-huh. And in the chair, I uh, tailgated all morning with everybody in the oh chair. I didn't God. know this, Kev. Yeah. I told them I was Brad Pitt's stuntman. And I took a T-bone, took a bad wreck. Did the whole day. I think, I'm not kidding. I was in that chair for probably 10 hours that day. Went to the bathroom, I think, with uh, one of them. They showed me how they cast, how they go mm-hmm. to the right. You know, that, they took me intimately into everything. Um, and at the end of the day, I got up out of the chair, walked off in the parking lot with the people I've been hanging with all day. The other people that didn't know, these people freaked out, man. It was, it was just... A- <laughs> Were they pissed at you? No, they were like, what? Because I was with other, I was other, yeah. with other quads, right? And the thing is, they, they refer to us as, uh, as tabs, temporarily able-bodied, because we will all be there one day. You know, and I worked with Mark Zupan from Murderball. That guy was hard as, hard as rocks, man. Well, number one, you answered my question before I even asked it. I was going to ask you, had you seen Murderball before we started shooting? And I know, and for those who don't know, Murderball is a documentary about quad rugby players and specifically follows uh, this tough-as-nails guy that Kev was just talking about, a guy named Mark Zupan, who Herc is pretty loosely based on. So what was that like, working with Mark? I mean, same thing, man. I just went and spent a day with Mark. Went and rolled around and did his daily life. He went to his house. We had some beers, listened to his music. He just, you know, he gave me some gloves that he wore uh, in in this game. And and I played with those guys, man. I, you know, they hit me to where they flipped me in the chair. You know, Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't go easy on me. It was, I mean, I I was thrown right into it, man. And I I'd never been through that as an actor, right? Friday Night Lights was. They didn't want me to meet Scott before meeting him. They didn't, you know, all the sets were hot. There was no yeah. rehearsing. I never, never give, been given that responsibility. And as an actor, I, you know, I, you know, you, you fake it till you make it, right? You act like it doesn't bother you, but it was, it was nerve wracking, man. Especially, look, you may be good at improv or, or these sorts of things, but it doesn't mean it doesn't scare you to death. There's yeah. also, I feel like a lot of responsibility to a community that, that took you in in that sense. Yeah. Oh yes. And you know what? It was Thank God it was easier because I was surrounded by that community the whole, the whole time. So it wasn't like I could separate and be like, here's what I think they were going through. No, they let me know what they were going through. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. The character, uh, the guy who played Phil was also, he worked with. with oh yeah. He was, in, he was a real nurse. We had a lot of that on, the, on Friday Night Lights, which is, you don't see that on a lot of different shows. They'll just go get the real guy. And just have him. Uh, I know. Why hire a nurse when you could have a guy who's basically a technical supervisor on set that could be like, ah, eh, they wouldn't do that. And he was great. He was great, man. I loved Phil. I know Phil was great. Phil was great. They, they, you know, and a lot of actors will be like, I hated that, man. Give an actor that job, you know. And 
But when you're trying to, to, to make a piece of art like Friday Night Lights, which we, I don't, I don't think we really knew what we were making at the time. Yeah. But those were the components. Those were, those were the little simples that, that, that made up that whole of, of what we made. And that was indescribable, man, because we didn't know what we were doing at the time. How, how could you know how great that was going to turn out, man? That was something I wanted to talk to. This isn't even a question so much as just a compliment to you and Scott, because honestly, literally one of my favorite scenes from that show is the scene where you, were, you and Scott are having the argument and you keep blocking him as he's going down the ramp. And you're blocking him, you're blocking him, you're blocking him. And both chairs go over and he's like, do you have some super secret way that we get up from this? And you're like, yeah, Phil. And man, it's, it's one of those, th- just one of those moments on Friday Night Lights where you're invested in the argument that's going on. And then you find yourself crying at the end. And I, 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 I call a, 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 an acting cry on Friday Night Lights where I watch the scene and I'm crying because of the choices that are made, because how beautifully acted it is. It's not even a sad moment. It's just, you're sitting there going, damn, that was well played. <laughs> no, you got me. I mean, it literally made me, made me tear up thinking about that scene because you're right. And, and I think it did help that they set an environment, Jeff Reiner yeah. specifically. He got, he, I, he got me out of my head and I need that. I'm such a uh, introvert, you know, I, I, I'm an overthinker. And that's not good for actors, right? So that helped me. And I took that with me, man. I learned so much. I learned more on that job than, than anything I'd, I'd ever done in this profession. Oh, Kevin, I love that. That's what Pete Berg told us at the end of the series. He was like, guys, take this with you. And I feel like everyone who came onto our set has taken it with them into, an, into the next job. I love that. And it's like, I can't, I, I'll, never, I'll never forget that kind of stuff. Um, it gave me a lot of confidence. It, it, um, you know, I mean, it's, 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 un, it's indescribable. Yeah. I mean, it was such a gift to get that job, man. Kevin, do you have a favorite, a favorite, a favorite FNL scene or backstory or moment that you think about? Yeah. Even if it's like a behind the scenes one or anything. You know, the idea that, that <laughs> they tried to keep us all apart uh, before we actually, they wanted that true when we would meet on camera, they wanted it to be as real as, the, as possible. As possible. I don't know if you remember an actor named Bootsy. His name was Robert Booth. He had no arms or legs. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, there was one scene where Mika Kelly meets him for the first time and yeah. they didn't want him to meet him. He hops out of the, he comes in and she meets him for the first time on camera. So a lot of the meetings are, are for the first time. That- and he sticks out his arm and, yeah, and he's she like, you has can touch to it. shake his, his stub. We, t- we talked so, yeah. about this before though, Kevin, but God, when you come, the, the first moment you bust into that room, you're never introduced. We don't know your name. We don't know who you are, but boy, do we know who you are. That first monologue that you do in that room. It's just like, <laughs> no, no, it was great, man. I, I, that, I mean, look, they wrote some great words. And then as this, as the years went on, they, they gave us so much room, not to just add words, but to take them away. Yeah. I took away so much stuff that they had her saying, and it's just with looks, right? Yeah, I think Kyle was great at that. You know, Kyle, he'd chop it up. Kyle would say sometimes there'd be like a whole monologue. And Kyle would go, "Yeah, I can do that with a look." Yeah, I give. I can do that. I can, I can give you that in one look. And he you did a one-page monologue. Yeah, and he was right. I mean, he's yeah. It's, don't beat the look. That's that was not that was an intelligent audience. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah, and, it was. And and you know we treated him as such. And I think that's that's why it's still going. I mean, sixteen years later. Come on. I mean, it's still it could still get the attention and it holds up and God, the acting was so great on that show, man. Uh, Derek, you, I mean, you were so great on that show, man. I mean, you, oh, you, you, you I guarantee that you took something that you made something they didn't know what was going to, they didn't know what was going to be. That's I, I guarantee you that. I don't think that, I don't think that 
Billy was was going to be as prominent as and they had you were undeniable. How about that? You were undeniable. They had to write you in more. They had to they had to have you as that relationship with with Tim and with everyone else, man. I was trying really, really hard to make sure they couldn't write me off. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what we do. Yeah. They're behind the monitor right now. Watch what is what's their face look like. I know they saw that take and they they're talking about it. No, and Stacy, you I mean, the, you guys together was I mean, again, it was something that they just had they had to uh, give attention to. Well, that's yeah. what that's the way that the show worked. They just saw that Derek and I were friends and we had already such a ridiculous banter and then they were like, "We're going to write that into the show." Like, how lucky are we though? Well, yeah, it's I mean, so I ridiculous. Numerous times. I mean, th- there are times on the show, there are two scenes in particular that I remember where they were shooting and we didn't even know they were shooting. You know what it's like? It's like when you're looking through someone else's phone and they have pictures and they got yeah. pictures of you that you've yeah. never seen. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Let me see that yeah. phone for a while, man. Oh, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I mean, I think- I, yeah. Kevin, in this episode, in episode 15, you and Street are driving the, the handicapped accessible truck. I, did you actually get to, to drive it at all? Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy because your mind is, think, you know, it's all hands. So you got to get your feet off those pedals and it's all driving oh, with geez. the hands, man. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of trippy. And um, it was with teaching that, you know, her teaching that to Street and talking about Street describing high school being, yeah. you know, I think these, this is just another in the, in, the, in another scene in the in in the series that's just trying to prepare him for just another outlook. Like, yeah, high school is weird, but the world isn't high school. There's more to high school, and so he's constantly trying to uh, trying to frame it for him with a with with new eyes. He's still seeing yeah. it with his old eyes, right? And I think when he said, you know, I came out, and, and Herc said, when I came out of the hospital, I felt a hundred years old. That's him just showing his disconnect and how separate he feels from his old self too. When he says a hundred, you know, he's really only 20 years. I mean, so you have him setting street up so much saying everything, it's going to be better. And then in the following scene, I know Derek, you want to talk about this following scene. Well, this is what, yeah, you invite him to the bar and you guys are there to celebrate street being asked to, to training champ for the national quad rugby team. But Herc is like immediately... He craps all over that news and he's quick to tell Street that he probably doesn't have a chance, which it's one of the things we all love about Herc is that he provides this realism, you know, and he seems to be, that seems to be a big part of his role, but he's also this brash, no nonsense, obnoxious loudmouth. But for some reason, we love him. What what do you think it is about Herc that makes him such a likable character, even though he's, he's kind of a jerk? Yeah, he is a jerk. Yeah, I think you see him. Look, I was having fun playing him. And I think that has a little bit to do with it. Yeah. I think you, you see him, ha- you know, he has a good time. And it's hard, to, it's hard to not like him because he may be brash, but what he was doing, you, I think people could see what he was doing. You know, like when, he, when he's a realist and he's saying these things like, here, you get invited to uh, the quad rugby trials, but you're probably not going to make it. <laughs> That's motivation. He knows an athlete like Street needs to hear stuff like that also. Yeah. You know, and I, think, I think here's your opportunity but good luck with it, kid. He's, he's trying to he's trying to set a, a light of fire that went out. Yeah, or he that's that's just smoldering right in the street. And, yeah. and 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 he saw that. And I think that maybe someone helped Herc keep his flame alive. I'd like to think that he's just he's paying it. Yeah. He's paying it forward. I love paying it that. forward. Yeah, very very cool. Very cool. I hadn't thought about it like that. And that's a yeah, that's awesome, man. Kevin, before we let you go, I do I do wonder in your perfect world, where is Herc right now? What is he doing? Well. 
I think I, I think Herc has moved on to I think he is he's he's coaching. He's doing what Gumby, James Gumbert's doing. He's coaching kids and he's still out there talking to kids that are newly paralyzed as well, helping them do what, what he did with street, you know. Yeah. Immediately life is not over, you yeah. know. In fact, a whole new world has opened up that other people aren't a part of. And I think that Herc would go out there and, and he would he would share that because that's where the help is needed and that's where he would think he was needed. I mean, I would like to say he's owned some bar like the Broken Spoke or something, and he's... Both things can be true. <laughs> you know, it both can be true. <laughs> is it everybody? Kevin Rankin, can I... You made my heart very happy today. I don't know, I'm filled with like a, a, a revigored, ready to go out and get back and tell some more stories. I just, I appreciate, I appreciate your, your heart and your energy. I just want to thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, dude. Love you. Later, y'all. Y'all, that is it for episode 15. Join us next time when we unpack episode 16, Black Eyes and Broken Hearts. And until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't can't lose. lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.